Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Amen. Well, good after. Good morning. It's the morning. Good morning, Citizen Heights. Um, good morning to our online campus. Thank you for joining. I know my wife is watching online, so good morning. Um, but to begin, uh, my name is David Davila, and I want to first thank Pastor Michael and Pastor Heather for this incredible opportunity to share with you all on a topic that is uh, really close to home for me, and it's all about worship. Um, if you're going to be taking notes today, it's the, the sermon is titled, A Lifestyle of Worship. And over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about how we can grow in our faith. We're going places this year in 2023, and we are going in many places, but the where we're, we're, we're following Jesus in the, in, the, in the prospect of doing that. You all received a passport on here, right, um, on Vision Day. And this is your guide to how to get to those places. So on page 10, if you have your passport, you'll find the worship section. So you can make good use of that throughout this week. And we're going to just dive in a little bit um, into what is worship and how do we worship. Open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 1. And you're going to then also put a pen in it because I want you to go to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 23 and 24. You're going to see these verses on the screen and we're going to dive right in because there's a lot to cover. Are we ready? Let's do it. Romans 12, verse 1. This is what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Can we say that again? Together. To offer, everybody together, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Okay, you don't have to keep repeating. That's very good. Keep that note. Living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Amen? Living sacrifice. We're going to dive into that. What does that mean, living sacrifice? Then we're going to run over to the book of John, chapter 4. And to give you a little bit of insight, what's going on right here? It's the woman at the well, right? She's a Samaritan woman. She's at the well. She's taking out water. And Jesus says, hey, I got living water for you. And we're not going to talk about all of that because there's just so much incredible content. If you've never watched The Chosen, this is my shameless plug. No, I was not asked to do this. Go watch The Chosen. It's a great series. Um, they have a great episode on this. I can almost visualize it in my head. But this is what he says. Jesus is saying this in verse 23. It says, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father. How? In spirit and in truth. That's right. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, Lord, that your word is literally what we use to go on the defense. When things come and bombard our minds, we can call on your name and look at the pages of scripture and be reminded of your promises. So teach us, Lord, what does it mean today to be a living sacrifice? And what does it mean to serve you and to worship you in spirit and in truth? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the year was 2016, and I was living in Dhaka, Bangladesh. And I loved being part of the local community. When I go abroad, I, liked, I do my best to make sure that I'm not just with expats, although I did meet a Long Islander in Dhaka, and that was awesome, but I do my best to really get connected with the local community. So we were going to a local church, a church of expats in English, because my Bangladeshi is a little bit rough. So on several occasions, my pastor at that church said, hey, why don't you come with us to the local church? Bangladesh is a Muslim-majority country. Over 90% of the population is Muslim. So every morning and throughout the day, I would hear the call to prayer at least five times a day. It was a great reminder as a Christian to say, am I praying too? I want to be praying as well. This particular neighborhood that we went to was a very poor neighborhood. It was very muddy, it was raining a lot, it was the rainy season, and getting there was a bit of a challenge. But we were going to church that day. We are going to church, and only 0.30% of the Bangladeshi population is Christian. So they're the minority of the minority. Near the church, there was a mosque, and at the top of the mosque, there's a loud system, uh, a loudspeaker, and it, not only do they say the call to prayer there, the imam will say that, but also this particular mosque took it upon themselves to also berate the Christians and say, oh, what they're doing, the God that they serve is not really Allah, X, Y, and Z. Nonetheless, this did not hinder our Christian brothers and sisters from gathering in that place. The place was small, very small, a shack. Troy, you would not be able to stand in there. I'm sorry. Very, very small, possibly smaller than this stage. And there were a hundred people there worshiping in spirit and in truth. They didn't have a lot of electricity. There was maybe a fan, and it's really stuffy and humid. There was no, no, there, were, there was definitely not a Nord. What they used instead of a Nord was a harmonium. And if you've never heard of this device, it's a really cool device. It's kind of like a small keyboard. But what you do, it sounds like an organ, but you have to pump it with your hand. So the worship leader would stand at the lectern, had the harmonium right on the lectern, and she would be pumping it while with one hand, her left hand, and with her right hand, she was playing the worship song. And the whole congregation is singing along and worshiping. And you sense the presence of the Lord in that place. And that reminded me, it doesn't take a whole lot to worship. We can worship God everywhere we go, but worship is not just music. And we're going to dive into that. So what is the definition of worship? One definition might be to attribute worth and that's a very simple de definition, but that definition alone falls short from biblical worship and all that biblical worship is. Worship is an act, and it's an attitude of wholeheartedly giving ourselves to God. And how do we give? We give through our spirit, our soul, and our body. Worship is our expression of love for God. And Jesus said it should involve our heart, our minds, and our physical strength. So, 
Whether you're in a moment of worship, you can stand there, by all means. Stand. If you want to move, you can move. If you want to shout, you can shout. In the Psalms, we see that there's many ways that we can worship, but the whole act of moving is that it's, con it's connecting to my mind what I'm actually doing. I'm worshiping the Creator. I'm not just listening to music. True worship is God-centered, and it's never me-focused. It's never human-centered. Christian worship involves Jesus' followers appropriately responding to God's character and presence by expressing gratitude for who he is and what he's done. Back in the day when I was a kid, there was a song that we'd sing, Look what the Lord has done. Maybe some of y'all remember. And we'd do the haze, kind of like we did this morning. But um, looking at what the Lord has done is a reminder, look, where, where I was and where I am now, you know, God is the potter. We are the clay. He's morphing us into his likeness if we let him. So we ask him to come and make us more in his image. And in our ask, we are worshiping. And as we're asking, we're reminding ourselves, hey, self, praise the Lord. Forget not all of his benefits. Forget not the things that he did and has done in your life. And if he did it before, he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. So we worship, in addition to that, in spirit and in truth. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can go to our app section. Point number one is worship is a spiritual exercise. That's what this is. It's not just physical. It's not just mental. It's certainly not emotional. It's spiritual. It's an appropriate response to how God has revealed himself to us, particularly through his son, Jesus, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit bears witness of who God is. So therefore, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for us through Jesus, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. In Israel, back in the day, what you would do to worship God is that you had to bring a sacrifice, right? They would sacrifice doves, maybe a lamb, maybe a bull. Depending on how much money you had, you would purchase the sacrifice you could afford, right? But the moment Jesus came, he became that ultimate sacrifice. We no longer need to come here and ask the priest or the pastor to sacrifice something and hopefully God will accept this and it will be an atonement which basically will cover my sins. No, we don't need to do that anymore because Jesus did it. But Jesus ultimately did it by dying on the cross of Calvary and we get to do it by living in according to his word. And that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. It means, God, regardless of what's going on, regardless of the challenges, maybe my boss is really pissing me off. Maybe I have a problem with my wife this week. Maybe my child just can't understand what I asked them to do. We're still going to worship the Lord through our attitude, through our actions. We're not going to be petty. We're going to be after God's heart. And we ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because that is a form of worship. And when we do that, we are a living sacrifice. Number two, true worship is a relationship, and it requires a response. We're going to talk about spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Well, God is spirit, and we each have a spirit inside of our own hearts. And when we worship him, our spirit is to be connecting to his spirit. It's a spiritual connection. 
And in that connection, there's a relationship that's being developed. We're praying. We're asking God, what are you calling me to do? What are you telling me to do? Am I listening? And we worship in truth. When we worship in truth, we're validating. We are saying all of the ways of God are correct. We reflect on the attributes of God. We reflect that he's omnipotent, that he is sovereign, that he is gracious, that he's a just God, that he is righteous in all of his ways. When we worship, we declare all of these things. And as we do that, we're worshiping in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth must be a fundamental, a fundamental building block in any valid worship experience. Without it, um, without this give and take of relationship, without interaction between God and God's people, spirit and in truth cannot be expressed. It's a relationship. So when I come to church, regardless of how, how I'm feeling, I could even say, God, I don't really feel like worshiping right now. And I know that you understand that, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm going to surrender everything that I am. And that situation that I'm working through right now and I haven't been able to find the solution, you are the solution. So I'm going to call on you to bring clarity to my mind. When I was driving this week, I was in such a funk for whatever reason. And the moment I play this one worship song, it's literally like magic. My attitude changed. I no longer was meditating or ruminating on my present situation. I started declaring the truth of God, for he is good and his love endures forever. He sits on the throne, and unto him be all the praise and all the glory and honor forever. And the more I reflect on him, the smaller I become, and the better that is for me and for all of humanity. So it's a response. A parent who hears a baby crying what is that parent going to do? Parent's going to bring some food for the baby, right? What is that response going to indicate to the child? It develops a level of trust. I know that when I cry, food will come. A person, who, a woman or a man who has a friend who's grieving, and you show a level of care in that relationship, that level of care is continued, and trust is, is, is growing in that relationship. A father responding to his son's basketball win after that response, a relationship of affirmation is deepened. It doesn't have to be a father, but you get the point. Our, that affirmation is deepened. So as we grow in relationship with God, we're relying more on him, and he's showing us more of who he is. And that is a lifestyle that's every single day. When I feel like doing it, and when I don't. When things are good, and when they're not. Because when we look at the Psalms, we have two different narratives that we see. Psalms of lament, which, mean, are, which are a cry of desperation, God, I need help, and songs of praise. That shows us it's okay that in our human condition, we would be in a situation where we need help from God. But who do we call? We call on him, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, right? We praise his holy name because of the things that he did. He will, did it before, he will do it again. We thank him. And point number three, in our pursuit of him, our desperation, our desperate pursuit of God's glory will transform us from the inside out. That's a reality, but we have to hunger for it. You got to be hungry for it. My son sometimes says, oh, I want to eat. I'm like, okay, 
I'll give you some macaroni and cheese, his favorite. No, I want a lollipop. Then what does a parent say? Because you've heard your parents say it. You're really not hungry, right? <laughs> you really don't want to eat. But if you were hungry, you would, give, you would eat what I gave you. It's similar with God. Our desperation is going to determine how far we really get in our relationship with him. If we're really thirsting for him, he is going to make himself known to us. And if he didn't answer, then wait a little bit longer. It, like, keep waiting. He does not delay. He will make it very clear. Wait and know that in your waiting, he's creating in you a spirit of perseverance, a spirit that says when things are going haywire in my life, haywire in my life, I can trust in him. He's going to respond. I love the response that we see through scripture. We see Abraham. Abram at first. God says, go. He has no idea where he's going. He just goes. That response is like, okay, God, I'm going to do it. And who does Abraham become? He becomes a friend of God. We see Jacob. Jacob receives the blessing. And then eventually he wrestles God. And he says, I need my blessing. His name is changed. He becomes Israel. Moses sees the burning bush. He could ignore it, but he wonders what is going on. And he says yes to God going back to Egypt, leading his people out of captivity. All of this requires a response. And each one is struck at their core being in an encounter with the living God, forever altered by our proximity to God's holiness. Amen? So as we deepen our pursuit for God in our desperation, he makes us holy. Jesus says, be holy because I am holy. This is our inheritance. If he is holy, we too can be holy. And a touch of heaven is a touch of holiness that we all have access to. Moses, as he spent more time with God, he became holier in his presence, right? What happens as Moses spends time with God? Literally being able to see the backside of God, his face, his demeanor is transformed. Where the people of Israel were afraid, they don't even get over here, bro. I can't stand how much you're glowing and how much you are radiating and the refugilant light of God is beaming out of you. I don't know what that is. That's confusing to me. But if it happened to Moses, it could also happen to us if we really wanted it. If, we, if our desire and our desperate pursuit were to grow, God can speak to us in unfathomable ways, in ways maybe you and I have never heard before. He, there is still access to the Father. There is access to the throne because the veil was torn. We get to speak to our God in direct relationship. So what are some observations that we see from today's scripture? We see that when we worship out of, we must worship out of gratitude and for his mercy and his salvation. We realize that it requires a personal sacrifice, a separation from the patterns and the practices of this world. We need to put away the things that are naturally innate in our human nature and seek God and say, I'm going to surrender all of this, withholding nothing. I'm going to seek you. We offer our bodies dead to sin, but now alive to Christ. And Jesus said to the Samaritan, you don't need to go to Jerusalem to worship because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to come here on a Sunday to worship. We gather and the presence of God stirs and it moves in this place because we're all in one accord. But the onus is on us on Monday 
Sunday morning to do the same, to play that worship song, to read a scripture, to be reminded this is the God that I serve. I'm going to worship him. True worship is not an activity just in a church service. Worship is a lifestyle that brings honor to God in words and in actions. If our actions do not align with the words of Bible, the Bible, then what does God say? Your lips are close to me, but your hearts are far from me. And that's not what he wants. He wants a lifestyle of worship. That is a living sacrifice unto him. Worship becomes a true sacrifice when we take out when we take it out of the church by living in a way that truly honors, it exalts, it brings a positive attention to God. And I've seen it in so many ways, working with people who don't know God, and they ask me, like, something is different about you. And maybe they don't see it in that way or say it in those terms, but you know that they're hungering for what you have. And the onus is on us to share what we have. We don't need to see them come to know faith, but we bear witness to the one that we serve and we worship. And as we bear witness, their lives are going to be transformed. People are going to come to know who Jesus is. So how do we worship? These are practical ways that you can implement this. Psalms 42, 1 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. I even YouTube that. I was like, I have never seen a deer pant. <laughs> but what does that look like? It's that yearning. It's that desire. I want to be like David. David's life was a life of worship. He became undignified. He didn't care who was watching. His wife criticized him. He didn't care if he made himself a spectacle to the whole nation. He was the king, and he said, I'm going to worship my God. One important way that we praise God is by singing psalms. You can open the whole book of the Bible. There are songs for you to reflect on, to meditate on. Let those words be continually on your lips. The Old Testament is full of encouraging ways to sing, but singing is never a form of entertainment. Singing in smoke and lights, this is never a form of entertainment. We come before the Lord's presence knowing that he is the author, the finisher of our faith, the one who is due all of our praise. Jesus was worshipped the moment he came to earth. The angels surrounded the heavens and declared glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. They were singing. We get to sing. We get to proclaim the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his glorious light. The problem is that in our American beautiful culture, we are obsessed with these beautiful devices that consume our day to day. And if I were to tell you how many hours I spent on this, I don't want to admit how long I'm on this. But those screens create in us a, a, a passive spirit where we're watching and we're spectators of what is going on. No, let's not be spectators in the presence of God. Let's seek his presence. Let's, pr let's pray with boldness, knowing that he deserves all of the praise. God doesn't want you just to watch. He wants a relationship with us. Worship is a relationship with God. Don't be an onlooker. Don't be a spectator. 
Another way that we worship is through prayer. I said that a little earlier today. We thank God for his awesomeness. We pray. I encourage you, get a journal. It doesn't have to be as thick as this. But get a journal and write what are you thankful for every night before you go to bed. Say, what am I thankful for? What did God do today? And write it. It could be, God, I breathed today. God, I did not get into a fight with my son today. Amen. Um, God, you were faithful in the many things. God, thank you that my meeting with my supervisor went exceedingly and abundantly well. Thank you that I didn't get into a car accident. Thank you that my relationship with my siblings and my relatives is flourishing. Whatever it is, write it down. Call on the name of Jesus. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, and we do, and we who with unveiled face all contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have access. Let's go boldly before the throne of grace in prayer. That is our form of worship. Another way that we worship is by confessing our sins because we're constantly missing the mark. And thank God that he saved our lives. We can openly admit our offenses to God as we confess, repent, and commit ourselves to Christ. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We worship through the public reading of God's word, preaching it in truth. Read this book. It is pretty dense. This version isn't falling apart. I'm sorry. But read it. Ruminate on it. Meditate on it. Let these words become your words. And that is your form of worship unto God. We worship through our tithes and our offerings, recognizing that what we have belongs to the King of Kings. We would be nothing if it weren't for Him. That is our way of worship. We worship by celebrating the sacraments by being water baptized if you've never been be water baptized that's a form of worship by partaking in the lord's supper that's a form of worship you don't have to wait till a sunday when we do communion together go home read the passages of scripture gather your family around the table and your friends and say we are going to partake in the table of the lord because this is our form of worship unto god and when this happens, God promises that he's going to be with us. God promises that he's going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. God showers us with his blessings, especially his peace, which surpasses all understanding. God overflows us with a joy that is unspeakable. It's stupid. It's like, why are you so excited? I don't know. Because God is good. That is why I'm excited. He is seated on the throne. That is why I'm excited. He goes before me. That is why I'm excited. When we worship, what happens? He answers our prayers when we offer them in sincere faith. When we worship, He freshly fills our cup to overflowing. As Scripture says, my cup is overflowing. Not so that we could just be filled, but so that we could pour it out on someone else. Because someone else needs to experience the blessing that you've experienced. Let's not be stingy with our worship. Let's give it away. The love of God is for everyone. As we worship, He guides us in all truth through the Holy Spirit. He purifies us. That is our good and perfect form of sacrifice. We become a living sacrifice. So church, I urge you to continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips that confess his name, as Hebrews 13, 15 says, and to offer our bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. 
Worship, in the final analysis, means change. We worship because we've been transformed. It means we say goodbye to the cherished but toxic behaviors we sometimes hold. Our pride, the things we kind of get excited about and we know we really shouldn't. We say, Lord, I surrender this to you. We worship and we ask God to enable us to let us to get rid of all the junk, the things that don't correspond. Jesus could not be more clear on the issue. He proclaims, if you love me, you will obey my commands. In John 14, 15, to love God is to worship God. And to worship God is to obey God. So in these final days of unprecedented distractions, as I mentioned, and compromises, this is a reality. The still, small voice of God is beckoning us. It's calling us as leaders, as children of the Most High, to do what He created us to do, to worship, to respond to God in spirit and in truth. So the purpose of, of worship is not to affirm who I am, not to entertain me, and it's not to make me feel good, but to bring you into the presence of the living God. To Him be all the glory and honor forever and ever. We're going to practice this in just a moment. I'm going to ask you all to rise to your feet. You can join me. And if you don't know the Jesus that I've been speaking about or praying about, I'm going to ask you all with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we close our eyes so we don't get distracted. And this is a personal decision. If you don't know this Jesus, this is what Jesus says in Revelation 3.20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you have not said yes to Jesus, this is your opportunity. This is a form of worship to surrender all that we are to God. I'm gonna count to three. One, don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Two, salvation belongs to our God. He is mighty to save. Three, if you haven't made that decision, please raise your hand nice and high, and we're going to pray. Let's pray together, church. Dear Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I declare that you are the Lord over me. I surrender all that I am, all that I hope to be. I lay them at your feet. I ask you to be my Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.